0: Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. My name is John Egege, and I serve as one of the elders here at the church. It's such a privilege to serve this church in that way, and I will be preaching the word of God to us this morning. And so we're continuing in a sermon series that we are doing that is about... Calling. So, calling, what it means for us to be called and equipped by God to serve others in the places where God calls us to. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at just what calling is in general. When we look at it, it looks like God summoning us. That's the definition that we were given by Ellen God calling us uh, for his good purposes. And for the praise of his glory. So that's the definition that we're using for calling. Anytime that God summons us for his good purposes, for the praise of his glory. Today we are going to be studying from the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 11, from verse 27 to Genesis chapter 12, verse 4. And we'll also be looking at 1 Peter chapter 2. Verse nine and ten. So those are the verses and the passages that we will be in uh, this morning. But before we do that, let's pray together. God, thank you for calling us, and thank you that today, as we look at what it means to be called and to have a new identity in Jesus Christ, we pray that you would refresh that identity in us and through us. That all of us in here would see the powerful work that you have called us to, but even more than that, just the powerful community that you have called us to be. I ask, oh God, that you would bless our time studying your word this morning. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So before we get to Genesis 12 and Genesis 11, of course, there's Genesis 1 through, uh, what's that, 11? I can't count, but. <laughs> In Genesis chapter one through 11, we have this account of God creating a world that is good. So God creates a world that is good and everything that God creates, he looks at and he says, this is really good. But there is something that happens as human beings who God has created with the freedom to choose between good and evil, we choose evil. So we're the ones who choose evil instead of good. And we send this world into a state in which it's not as good as it was before. But our God is not a God who doesn't pursue the world that he has created. Even though our world has lost its first goodness, our God comes in and creates a rescue plan. So as you see the stories unfolding in Genesis chapter 4, you see a story of two brothers. And one brother, Cain, kills his younger brother, Abel. You see the story disintegrating. You see a flood, a flood happens where Noah and his family are the only ones who are found righteous on earth and God rescues them, but everybody else on earth perishes. You see another story, the Tower of Babel, where human beings are trying their best in their own power to reach up to God instead of realizing that God is the one who has reached down to us. And so they're building this staircase to heaven, trying to see if they can be like God. So all across these passages, from Genesis chapter 3 to Genesis chapter 11, we see a general picture of humanity where we're not the way we are supposed to be. And in comes this story at the end of Genesis chapter 11 that tells the story of what God is about to do to make this thing right. So Genesis chapter 11, let's start at verse 27. It says, now these are the generations of Terah. Terah fathered Abraham, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran fathered Lot. Haran died in the presence of his father Terah in the land of his kindred, in Ur of the Chaldeans. And Abram and Nahor took wives. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife, Milcah, and the daughter of Haran, the father of Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was barren, she had no child. Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, and his son Abram's wife. And they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So here we get the picture. This is a picture of God about to do something very particular. There's something general that's been happening in all of creation with the people that God has made. But God is about to step in and call a very unique and particular family for the praise of his glory and for his good purposes. And it's the family of Abraham. But if you notice all the things in there that describe the family of Abraham, the family of Abraham. Doesn't actually seem like the best possible choice for God to pick. They're from a place called Ur of the Chaldeans, a place that was known for worshiping the moon. Abraham is a person who is well off in years, so at this time, as he's moving on with his father and his family, uh, before God calls him, he's about 75 years old. Sarah as we see in our passage today, struggles to conceive, so she struggles with barrenness. And this is the family that God says, I am going to continue my righteous purposes and my good purposes in the world through. All the odds were stacked against this family, an idol-worshiping family from a place in the world where they worship the moon, not even close to the promised land, a family where these two individuals, Abraham and Sarai, We're well in age. Abraham, 75, Sarah, probably in her late 60s or early 70s. And this is the family that God chooses to call. He chooses to call this family. And so in Genesis chapter 12, God steps in and says this to Abraham. He says, now the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And verse 4, so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. So God steps in and calls Abraham. God steps in and calls Abraham and says to him, go from your country, leave your father's household. Because if you remember at the end of chapter 11, Abraham's father and his family were actually heading to Canaan, but they stopped halfway. They stopped in a place called Haran. They didn't make it all the way to the place that they were going. And so they got comfortable. They got comfortable in this place. They got comfortable. They didn't really take it all the way to where God was calling them. And so God comes directly to Abraham and reminds him of this identity that Abram doesn't even know is his yet. Abram is there, the son of an idol worshiper, someone who doesn't know the one true God himself. And that is where God steps in and gives him this call. Abraham, go quickly, leave your people, leave your father's household, and go to a place that I will show you. God doesn't even give him like some GPS coordinates, like, okay, here's a pen, Abraham, go to this place. God just says to him, go to a place that I will show you. Go to a place that I will show you. I know, Izzy, I would feel the same way. If God told me to go to a place that he would show me and he didn't give me the exact coordinates, I would cry and scream as well. But that's exactly what God asks of Abraham. God says to Abram, because that's his name at this point, go to a place that I will show you. Go to a place that I will show you and I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. And through you, Abraham all the people of the world will be blessed. Everybody on earth will be blessed through Abraham. So God is calling Abraham from a place of idol worship to a place where he worships the one true God. God's calling Abraham from Ur of the Chaldeans and sending him to a place that would be known as Israel. God's calling Abraham out of an old life and giving him a new identity, And this is not just an identity for him and his family. This is an identity that has implications for the rest of humankind. Through you, through this new identity that God has given Abram, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. So God summons Abram for his good purposes and for the praise of his glory. Abram does not know exactly where God is calling him to. Abram does not know exactly where this thing is going to pan out, how this is going to be fulfilled. God has made this promise, but he's looking at himself and he's saying, wait, I'm a 75-year-old with a wife who is barren, and you're telling me that all nations on earth are going to be blessed through me? This is the identity that God was giving him. But that's a thing about identity is that our identity is not couched in who we are or who we say we are ourselves, but in who God says we are. God has looked at Abraham with all the things that seem to be stacked against him and Sarai, his wife, and says, through you, I am going to bless all nations on earth. I'm going to give you a new identity. So Abraham believes and obeys God He follows God. He follows God even though he does not see what the end is going to be. He takes the first step even though he cannot see the entire staircase. Abraham believes God and he obeys God because God is calling him out of his father's household. God is calling him out of everything that he thinks is familiar and God is bringing him to a place that God will show him, a place of a new identity. A new identity that will not only make Abraham's life more meaningful, but a new identity that will bless every other nation on earth through Abraham. So what is it for you? What is it that God is calling you out of? What new identity is God shaping for you? What obedience is needed in our lives so that God can establish his good purposes, not for our own sake, but for the praise of His glory, for the praise of God's glory. God calls Abram. And if you know the story of Abram, it follows in a couple chapters after God actually changes Abram's name. No longer Abram, but Abraham. I've heard some preachers say that Abram means daddy and Abraham means big daddy or big papi, depending on where you're from. But God changes his identity, changes his name. God changes Sarah's name as well, from Sarai to Sarah. God gives them this new identity and this new story. No longer would they be people of darkness, but they would be people of light. God changes their names and changes who they are. To declare his goodness and to always praise the glory of God. That's what God does, and that's what God is still doing today. Because we look out at our church, and I see people who have left father and mother, who have left old religions to follow Jesus Christ for the praise of his glory and for his good purposes. God is calling us out and giving us a new name, a new identity. And it's not just an individual identity. God's calling us as a people. This new nation that God was forming in the life of Abraham and Sarah was not just the people of Israel. It was the church. God was forming a new people, a holy nation, people from every tribe and tongue and nation for his good purposes and for the praise of his glory. All you have to do is look around. Look around this church building and see the promises that God made to Abraham fulfilled. The promises that God made to Abraham, that every nation on earth would be blessed through him, fulfilled, fulfilled in us, his people, the people of God and descendants of Abraham. It reminds me of the old song I used to sing in Sunday school. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's praise the Lord. That's not something that we're looking at and saying, okay, that's that's a promise that is some light years away. God is already doing that. God has already done that in the church. God is already doing that in this church. All nations on earth blessed through the faithfulness and the new identity that God gives to Abraham. And it's important to understand that this new identity has nothing to do with Abraham at all, it's all God. In fact, when you read Genesis chapter 12, verse one through four, try read it later and see how many times you see the word I, with God talking about himself. God saying, Abraham, I'm calling you. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Through you, I will make your name great and I will make a nation out of you. It's all God's work. God is the one who gives us the identity that we have in Jesus Christ. And through the calling of Abraham, God is the one who's doing the acting. So that none of us can boast and say that our new identity in Christ is because of the things that we've done. Or the things that we've achieved. Or because of our obedience. The new identity that we get in Christ that God gives us is simply because of God's gracious action to us. God sees us and he chooses us. God sees us and he picks us and he says, I want that person to be a part of my family. I want to give them my name. I want to give them my good purposes. I want them to be celebrated as a part of my glorious plan. God is the one who picks us. God is the one who chose Abraham and God is still choosing us today. So what is it for you? Are you here and are you a person who has had to leave father and mother and the land of your origin, a place that is familiar, to go to seek out this new identity that God is giving you? Know that God is faithful. God that chooses you. God that gives you a new name and a new identity will bring it to completion through Jesus Christ. As a church, God is calling us and giving us a new identity as a people that he has chosen for his own glory. And God is faithful to everybody that he makes a promise to. When God makes a promise, he always fulfills his promises. When God promises to give us a new identity, a new calling, new things for us to be and do, God always fulfills those promises. Now those promises may not be fulfilled in our lifetime as we see in the life of Abraham. It took many, many generations for the things that God had promised Abraham to come to fruition. But through the power of the spirit, God still inspired trust and faithfulness in Abraham so that he was able to faithfully obey God and do the things that he needed to do, even if he wasn't going to see the promise fulfilled. The promise is still being fulfilled through us. So let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 and 10. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. And let's see other ways that God is summoning us and calling us to himself. This is what it says. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into darkness his marvelous lights. I'll read that again. But you are holy, our chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous lights. He goes on to say, once you were not the people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, But now you have received mercy. There's a few things I want to point out from this passage about identity. A lot of times when we talk about what God has called us to, we usually talk about things that he's called us to do. But I love this passage because at the center of calling and identity in this passage, it's about who God has called us to be. Not about what God has called us to do first. Don't get me wrong, there are things that God has called us to do, and those things are really important. But the place that this passage asks us to look to for our identity is not the things that God has called us to do, but the people that God has called us to be, individually and collectively. God has called us to be these kinds of people, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a people for his own possession, a holy nation. And it is when we first get to understand that identity that we can actually go out and do the things that God has called us to do in a way that brings God glory. Because when we're starting from a place of, well, here are all the things that God wants me to do, and I'm going to find my identity in all the things that God wants me to do. So if God wants me to do a doctor, I'm going to be a doctor, and I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to try to heal patients. When we go from that place, we're not working for God's good purposes, and for the praise of his glory. And that's a place that can really burn us out. Or maybe you're a person that God has called to missions, right, called to start a nonprofit or to work for a nonprofit. And we strive and strive and strive and try to do the things that God has called us to do, but we're not resting first in who God has called us to be. A royal priesthood, a chosen nation, holy nation, people of God's own possession that will run us dry and we will never find a good solid footing for our identity in Jesus Christ. First Peter chapter two, nine and 10 show us very, very clearly where we need to be finding our identity in Christ, not in the things that we do for Christ, but in the things that Christ has done for us. We need to be finding our identity Not in the things that God has called us to do, but in who God has called us to be. It says, Christ has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. The same kind of calling that changed Abram's identity. Where God called him out of the darkness of idol worship into his marvelous light. is the same kind of calling that God issues to us today urging us to find our identity, not in the things that we do for God, but in what Christ has done for us on the cross, calling us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, calling us out of the kingdom of evil and hatred into his kingdom of love, calling us out of places where we find our identity in the things that we do or in the way that we look or in how much money we have And we place our identity instead squarely in who God says we are. Knowing that when we find who God says we are, we can go out and actually do what God calls us to do in a way that is good and also a way that brings God glory. So who does God say we are? God calls us in this passage a chosen race, a royal priesthood a holy nation, people of God's own possession. And all throughout scripture, as you read, you'll find all these places where God is giving us a new identity that is based solely on what he proclaims over us. God calls us a new creation. Therefore, if anybody is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. A new identity that is not based on what we do, but on what Christ has done for us and who God summons us to be. God calls us his children. We are adopted into his family. We're not part of his family, but God chooses to adopt us and to bring us in and to give us his name. That's who we are. And because of who we are, we can rest secure knowing that God will always love us because we are his We are his children. We are the sheep of his pasture. God says of us that we are not to be afraid. We are people of courage and love. We are people who can go out into this world because we know who we are and we know who is with us. That's who we are. And because of that, we can go out knowing that that's our identity. That's where our identity rests in who God says we are. Theologian Tim Keller says this about identity when he's talking about what God does when he summons us. He says this, this is the kind of identity that we need. You can't take yourself, you can't take for yourself a name and bless yourself. You need recognition. You need someone from the outside to come and speak that recognition to you. Your identity is fundamentally found in Christ, and it's not about what you've achieved, but what you've received. Our identity is not about what we've achieved. It's about what we've received. You can't take yourself and name yourself and bless yourself. Your recognition needs someone from the outside to speak that to you. Praise be to God that we have someone from the outside who has spoken those words of recognition on us, called us his own, called us to be his. Someone in Jesus Christ who has obeyed the summons of God and has gone to the place that God was going to show him. In Jesus Christ, Christ left everything that he had in his heavenly family. Much like Abraham and Sarah did, Christ left everything and went to a place that God would show him. He came down to earth and he took on our flesh. And unlike Abraham, who got a new name, who got a new status that was bigger than anything he ever could imagine because God called him out of darkness and into his marvelous light, Christ had to relinquish all of his power. Christ had to relinquish all of his riches. Christ had to let go of an identity that was central and powerful to take on the form of a servant, to take on our flesh and bone. But you see, the things that Christ was called to do were not the things that defined him. Because God was with him, and the Spirit of God was empowering him. And so as Christ comes down in the form of a baby, and as Christ takes on this new name, He takes on the name of Jesus, the one who would save his people. Through Jesus Christ, the offspring of Abraham, God blesses every nation on earth. We receive redemption. We receive wholeness. We receive resurrection. We receive power. We receive a new identity in Jesus Christ that is not based on our works, but is based on the work of Christ himself. And that is something that we can stand firmly on. That is a foundation that we can go out into this world and do the things that God has called us to do, knowing that that's not where we find our identity. Not in what God has called us to do, but in who God has called us to be. A chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of God's own choosing so that we can proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We shouldn't flip it around. The only place where we can declare the excellencies of God to a world is in a place where we are rooted in who we are. As a holy people, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, People of God's own choosing. That is who God says we are. And nothing in this world can strip us away from that. That is who we are. So, church, as you go out into this week to work, to love, to serve, to be a parent, to be a student, to work in your neighborhood, to work in corporate America, or to work for a nonprofit, to work in health care, or to work in some other occupation. Remember who you are. Remember who God says you are. You are chosen. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. And all of us are people of God's own possession. Our identity is in who Christ says we are. Who God has called us to be always precedes what God has called us to do. Let us stand securely in the fact that God has called us to be people who are coming out of darkness into his marvelous light, and people who reach out to others and call them to get that same identity through the marvelous work of Jesus Christ, our Lord. So church, I'll say it again to you. Who God calls you to be always precedes what God has called you to do. Because of Jesus Christ, God is calling you to place your identity in the finished work of Christ on the cross. The work that Jesus has done is what defines us. The work that we do is just the response of gratitude to who Christ has already said we are. I pray that God will empower us through the power of his Holy Spirit to go out into this world to be and to do all that God has called us and summoned us to be and do for his good purposes and for the praise of his glory. I bring you this message in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please pray with me. God, thank you for reminding us of who we are. That before any good thing we've done, we've already been chosen, chosen by Christ. Before we did anything to be promoted, Christ has already called us a royal priesthood and a holy nation. Even in the depths of our sin and despair and brokenness, Jesus calls us holy a people set apart for his own possession, so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. God, thank you for calling us to a new identity. Thank you for reminding us of who you say we are. Whoever you set free, O oh God, is free indeed. That is the kind of identity we need, an identity that is outside of ourselves, an identity that comes from your blessing and your summons and your calling, an identity that is recognized by you, an identity that is squarely found in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. God, where we are weak and where we try to find our identity in different places, I pray that your voice would call us and summon us again to remember where our identity lies, God, help us to rest and abide in who you say we are because that's the only place that we can, in good faith, go out and do the things that you have called us to do. God, thank you for counting us worthy to be a part of the work that you are doing in this world. Thank you for using us as a fulfillment of the promises that you gave to Abraham thousands of years ago. Thank you for Jesus Christ, who comes to make us one and to call people from all across the globe to be a new nation and a family that has our identity in you. Lord, we bless you. We bless your holy name. And we thank you for who we are in Jesus Christ. Amen.